want you to know better, do better, and be better. This is Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, cosmetology instructor, industry advocate, and writer, Mary Reed Johnson. Hello again. Thank you for joining me. I cannot believe it's been just another week, and we'll we'll get to some of the things that have happened in the week if we have time. We have some exciting guests, so I want to give them plenty of birth and opportunity to talk about things that they want to talk about um, as part of being um, members of the State Academy uh, Foundation for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Um, today, we're going to have them introduce themselves, but before I do that, I want to invite you to Feel free to call in if you are in the U.S. Just call toll-free 1-888-627-6008. Or if you're in Canada, call 323-744-4831. Those numbers will give again. And if you're listening by podcast, that's okay. You can tune in the week after Wednesdays and uh, at 6 and if you're Central and 4 o'clock Pacific time, so you can really participate with what we've got going on. So I'm going to have our guests introduce themselves. We have Patty Huey. Uh, she's a board member. And Ezra, you're a state for the, uh, and former student of the foundation. So can you give a more full introductions of yourself? We'll start with Patty. I'm a retired teacher from the academy. I taught there for 31 years of was working with many of the students that went on to help found the foundation. Uh, the foundation is a, a project that I decided to work with after I retired. Now, did the foundation exist before you started, or uh, was it in the process? Not when I first started. It didn't start until the 90s. Oh, wow. Excellent. And Ezra, when did you become part of the foundation? I actually just joined the foundation this past year. I was invited uh, to be a member in November. Uh, I was a student at the Academy for the Blind from 1987 to 96. And, uh, you know, being asked to join the foundation with everything that the foundation has done, it it was just such a great honor and pleasure to uh, not only be invited, but also be asked to be the uh, chair of the foundation board uh, this year. Awesome. And I do know, well, my, my, my interest and my background, I guess, is not uncommon because uh, many of us have family members or friends who are either visually impaired or blind. And, um, you know, they, they, they're very active people. They're just people. And, you know, they may have... Uh, this type of thing to deal with in addition to whatever other things we deal with as humans. Um, but I just appreciate you again for being here. Uh, can you tell us, give us a little uh, background about the foundation, Ezra? So the I know you, you, were, you were a student, but uh, tell, us, tell us some history, if you would. Sure. So the foundation itself was started uh, around 1992, uh, by members who were interested in helping the school purchase some of the items that the students needed uh, that the state won't fund. Uh, being the uh, Academy for the Blind is in a very unique position. It's a uh, state-funded school instead of a, a school that's funded, uh, founded 
are sorry, funded by a local school district, they don't have the option to ask for levies or property taxes or anything like that. All the funding comes from the state. So, of course, there are certain yeah. projects that they but. Yep, I was going to say, for people who don't know, every state has different ways that they handle these things. Sometimes you're very fortunate and you become a line item in the legislative budget, which means that, you know, people have fought very hard and been advocates and and, uh, gotten the attention of the Senate and the House in the different states, and they voted so that you can be, you know, at least part of the budget of all the monies that they collect. And um, that makes things a little bit easier. But you're not quite there yet, if I'm hearing correctly. Well, we are part of the state budget. We're part of the Department of Education. Oh, wonderful. Uh, We are part part of that budget. But there's certain projects and certain uh, resources that the state doesn't fund. Uh, For example, one thing that the foundation did recently fund for the Academies for the Blind was a recording studio. Uh, So the students will actually have a chance to... Uh, go in this and do recording like music recording. They've also looked into doing some podcasts with uh, with faculty members. So the students are going to have that opportunity, which is is pretty unique and, and pretty exciting for the students to have. Um, other powerful. projects that we've uh, other projects that we've also funded is uh, we have a bike trail at the Academy for the Blind, which is something that the uh, foundation has been able to fund. Uh, and more recently as well for music, um, we bought a, a set of African drums, which is really right. kind of a, a cool thing for them because they create such a unique sound. Now, who comes up with these wonderful ideas and needs? Does it come directly from the participants? The uh, staff and the administrators at the, uh, the, the academy are the ones who request the grants from the foundation. Okay. I don't know, Patty, you know a little bit more about that kind of process. You might have been involved in one or two. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Some of the other things they've done is the climbing wall. And then sometimes basic equipment, uh, note takers, which we were short of. You never knew what you were going to have for funding until the legislature went home uh, and the dust settled. Uh, Some of the new things they're working at, is a plan to remodel the home living and uh, home teaching uh, area. And they're doing a study, and then they will do a complete remodel job of the that area of the building. Oh, wow. So this is stuff that's approved, it's in the works, and you don't need extra for Is that correct? Well, it's not... <laughs> It's not a done deal. They have to do first a study and develop a plan and it has to be approved by the uh, by the state uh, department uh, responsible for buildings. Okay. And uh, it's in the early stages. Okay. Yeah, but the great thing about these projects that we're able to fund is it all comes from donor money. Now, the money that we get is coming from the state or anything like that. We get money from a lot of different donors who have a lot of interest with this academy, either, you know, a lot of ties from family members, former alumni, former educators, um, and, and other people who work with sight loss. So all well, the money that we're able to fund is coming from donor money. Sounds like the group is very, very active. Um, what size about is this group? 
We have 13 board members, uh, seven of which are either visually impaired, uh, educators, or former alumni, and then the other six are uh, just general members who have an interest in helping education and helping with the academy itself. And many of those people have somebody that's significant in their life that has visual impairment. And and the, I I totally understand that. My um, grandmother was one of the first people that went to Louis, Lu, Lucy Flowers High School. And what that was was a technical high school in Chicago. And it was uh, specifically geared to girls. However, um, in that technology or in, in that in that uh, baseline for them, they had a blind school and just kind of unheard of. So my grandmother, in, in the end, I mean, she went through the school. She learned a, a great many skills. Um, and um, in later years, she was, you know, every kind of volunteer that one could imagine. She worked with Operation Push. She had uh, raised nine children. Um, you know, just uh, even... It, in later years, she was uh, on a bowling league. I mean, there was nothing that stopped her. She did everything that she wanted to do, and I think it came with some of the support and confidence that she got at Lucy Flower. And so uh, what you're doing, in my mind, is equivalent, if not even more, far-reaching than that. So I appreciate you. I know um, part of what you said is that you do fundraisers. And do you have any coming up um, in the near future? We don't have any um, huge fundraisers coming up. I mean, there's the Minnesota Give to the Max Day, which I know is coming up, which we do participate in. We actually mm-hmm. just had our, one of our largest fundraisers, and it's through the um, uh, university, uh, I'm sorry, not the university, but the Minnesota Golf Day uh, that's sponsored by uh, a group of, of optometrists who really want to help people who are visually impaired and help the school. They, they did the golf day in August, and last I've heard, that was going to come in about $45,000. But we get a lot of different grants and a lot of different money coming from different donations. Um, we're always exploring different ways to come up with money uh, and ways to promote the organization itself. The organization is approved by the uh, uh, Council on uh, Charity uh, Review. Like the Nonprofit Council or... Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. We are we certified the standards for the charities review. Yep. Excellent. Uh, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about? Um, I know White Cane Day is coming up, and that's a national event, uh, for lack of a better word. But um, there's something about independence related to White Cane Day. So, can you tell us what it looks like in Minnesota? So what's going to be happening up in Minnesota here? I'm sorry, go ahead, Patty. They're going to be starting uh, with a event on October 15th uh, at the Capitol. And they're looking also for some volunteers to assist with it. And uh, registration is available through the web page. Uh, to Ooh, be can, a volunteer. Can, yep. Can you give people the web page for your organization so then they could go and volunteer if they're ready? I'll give that to Patty. What's your um, uh, web page? Well, for your website. 
It would be Minnesota Academy for the Blind uh, Foundation dot org. Excellent. And on on well, I know the actual day uh, that settled celebrated generically nationally is October eighteenth. So you're starting something on the fifteenth at the Capitol. What other things are part of that day, Ezra? Well, the great thing about White Cane Day is it's a, a day to really raise, awa- raise awareness for people who use white canes. Um, it was started back in 1964 by uh, a joint resolution of Congress and signed by Lyndon Johnson at that time. And it, it helps people not only celebrate the independence that a white cane gives them, but also helps raise awareness of what that cane means and what that means to the people who use them. Um, and you know, and I know generically because we have a little insight. Um, we know, but can you share with the audience what a white cane represents? Because they'll see often, you know, the canes that have red and they have white and you know different amounts of each. Can you explain what that is that they're um, ex- seeing or having someone else experience? I'll get that sure, answer. absolutely. So originally, the the cane that blind people used was actually a black cane. Um, and just, this is just an interesting fact. It was in uh, 1930, uh, somebody with the Peoria Lions Club saw a guy trying to cross the street with a, with a black cane at the time, and the, this individual was having problems crossing the street. So he came up with the, with the idea of, of coloring it white with the red stripe. And what this is to signify is that this person who is using this cane has vision issues. So that a driver who saw somebody with a cane with this white cane with a red stripe on it, knew that the person had vision issues and that they should be a little more cautious when they're coming up on a person like that or seeing a person like that uh, crossing the street. Um, there's three different types of canes that people will commonly see. Uh, the most common one is just a straight white cane with a red stripe. Uh, there's also what's known as a support cane, um, and this is generally what's used by uh, the um, people who have mobility issues. So it's kind of... Um, you know, more sturdy cane that they can lean on. And then there's also what's called an identification cane or an ID cane, which is the cane I use myself. And this is kind of a more thinner cane, um, not necessarily needed to use for being able to find objects as I'm walking around, but just to, again, identify that I am visually impaired so that when drivers do come up on me crossing the street, they'll know that I have vision issues and know that something that they'll need to walk out uh, or sorry, watch out for. I'm glad you mentioned that because it ties into a lot of safety issues. We do know that, you know, uh, visually impaired and blind people just, you know, they live life and they do a great number of things, travel, and we'll talk about some of those opportunities. But safety is a huge concern. And I I wasn't even aware that the different canes meant different things. So um, talk about safety, especially if... um, like, Ezra, you you know, you just use yours to kind of alert people, or we'll say drivers, uh, especially, for example, in roundabouts. Um, Patty and I were talking about that earlier, that they're not the safest things, but there are things that uh, might help. So what do you think about roundabouts? Because they're just popping up all over in Minnesota, and I, I'm sure across the United States. Um, overview, I'll, I'll start with Ezra. 
you know, in, in my area, they're they're starting to develop some, but they're not really in the city limits so much right now. They're kind of more on the outskirts. So I really mm-hmm. had to deal with that issue myself. Um, but, you know, those issues are always going to be big. Um, you know, pedestrians and, and motorists have had a, a longstanding, um, I don't want to say battle or anything like that, but, uh, you know, there's always been well, tensions yeah. between pedestrians and, and motorists on who's supposed to have the right of way. And having the, you know, having the cane makes it makes me safer. I feel safer using my cane. And especially mm-hmm. in this day and age, as cars themselves are getting quieter, it's a lot harder to hear a car as it's approaching nowadays than what it used to be. So for people who are visually impaired and, and blind, being able to have this tool a bit available to them, not only does it help with their, their independence, but also helps create that safety and that confidence that they have when they're using uh, the cane and, and traveling from place to place. Legally, they wouldn't even have to be just on at a crosswalk anywhere if they should wander into the street. If they have the cane extended, the cars are legally obligated to stop. Uh, oh, I think people need to be more aware of that uh, because they, they have a hard time navigating uh, the roundabout, for example, and because they just they don't know, uh, depending on when they uh, entered the driving world. I mean, they see them, you kind of have these signs to, to guide you, but I don't think they're very uh, consistent. And as a matter of fact, I had gone to a class uh minneapolis had a citizens academy where we meet you know all the different entities and people who make decisions and put things in place but one of them was the transportation department and we asked specifically you know how do roundabouts affect the blind people or i asked specifically because i have some friends who had expressed some concerns and they said that roundabouts do have more accidents than um the traditional you know uh, you know, stop signs and stop lights that you see in your area of the woods, um, Ezra. However, they're not as dramatic. You know, there's fender benders. Um, it still doesn't really help the issue, uh, as far as as far as I know. But are you aware of anything, Patty? That um, they've been they they put in not place. Not this time. Not yet. Not yet. Any types of things that the visually impaired people can can ask for that, you know, help make things easier, especially at the roundabout. We have so many in in Bloomington. It's probably, I don't know Uh, if it's illegal, but it's too many. Developing sound cues. Sound cues? What are those? For the path. Can you repeat that? Or sound... I think I'm losing you, Patty. So, Ezra, and you, well, do you know about things that are helping with the uh, roundabouts or things that well, they can have thing, on the satellite? One thing that a lot of cities have introduced at crosswalks especially is a beeping or a, a chirping noise with the, the uh-huh. uh, like the crosswalks and the, the walk signals. So I think maybe is that what you're getting at, Patty, is kind of having some yes. sort of a chirping or a, a, a beeping so when a blind person we know when it's safer to cross or kind of know the best path to cross or where they should be crossing, is that kind of what we're thinking? Yes. Okay. Thank you. And 
So, you know, I'm sure that some of the listeners are probably familiar with it because a lot of times that they're out walking about and they come to a busy street with a crosswalk, when they activate the, the walk signal, they probably hear that signal themselves. They don't even realize what it's for. That is true. I know um, there are some very distinct voices at some of them, and maybe they're only in the, you know, the larger metro areas right now. I'm not sure um, because it's not consistent. You know, some some of them have them, some of them don't. And you'll hear this voice, um, either a lady voice or a very distinct, you know, voice of some type. Or I don't know if I've heard the chirping, but I have heard a countdown, and that's might be helpful if I'm understanding correctly. Yes, it's it's kind of it's not unified across cities. Different cities have chosen different ways to enact it. Um, but either of those systems are helpful for people who are blind uh, or visually impaired, so that they know when they have to walk, so they know when it's safe for them to walk. I mean, if we could get a universal way to kind of do that, I mean, that'd be great. Um, but for right now, just having that that chirp, that beep, that voice, whatever it be, really helps increase the safety for the, the blind and visually impaired student or person, um, as well as for the, the safety of the, the motorists as well. Absolutely. Everybody can win, so they'll keep working on that, I'm sure. Now, uh, is the American Foundation for the Blind any part of your group, or is it a separate being entirely? We're, we're separate from the uh, American Council for the Blind or the National Federation for the Blind. Um, mm-hmm. Those are both kind of more, more national advocacy organizations. Uh, and, I mean, they've done a lot of work and good work for the blind and visually impaired. But our focus is really on the, the academy for the blind itself and making sure that the students at the academy are able to get the resources they need to be successful and, and be productive members of society. Awesome. How could you, if you were interested in participating, what would you need to do or what type of things do you look for as far as a participant? Like what are well, the I, I mean, you know, don- donations are always great. Anything that we're able to bring in as far as donation is going to help the students and, and help uh, really give those students the opportunities and, and the resources they need to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. After that, you know, it's it, like any other school. They're always looking for people to help in whatever way they can. Uh, with the white cane day, like Patty said, they're looking for volunteers to kind of help. Um, you know, guide traffic, kind of cheer them around, try to cheer them on, make sure it's safe for the walkers. Um, you know, we there's different sporting events and stuff that the academy does. It's like any other school, it's always great to have people down to cheer them uh, on the track meet or uh, you know swimming meets or anything like that. So are there any criteria? I mean, uh, of course, you'd be blind or visually impaired, but uh, any age restrictions, any other restrictions as far as who could be one of your students or participants? Uh, As far as being a part of the foundation, we want people who are going to be interested or have an interest in the school or or really want to see people who are blind and visually impaired succeed. Um, you know, my father was was a, a principal at the Academy for the Blind for many years, and I'm sure Patty can tell you lots of stories about him. <laughs> if, if, you know, um, but he, he always believed, and, and I, this is one of the reasons that I joined the board, is that a person who's blind or visually impaired has no limitations. 
The only limitation that a person who is blind or visually impaired has is their own imagination, as long as they have the resources to explore that. And that's one of the reasons I love being able to join the foundation is because I'm able to give the students at the academy that opportunity to explore their own limitations because we are able to give them those resources. Um, is there, I don't know, is there an average age for anyone who participates? I, as far as I'm aware, there's no real average age. I think we have... Uh, a pretty wide variety of, of ages and, and uh, backgrounds who are part of the foundation itself. I love it. Um, if you would, uh, I'll say, Ezra, this time, give your contact um, the, the website so that people can find you if they want to participate, whether it's um, uh, giving a donation or whether it's volunteering or if they're one of the people that could possibly um, benefit from, you know, some of the other things you do. Can you give your website again? And if there is a contact number, um, some people appreciate that. It is up to you. Sure. Uh, so the, the um, website, again, is going to be msabfoundation.org. Uh, and if you go on there, you can actually find um, information to contact any of the board members. Um, being the president myself, I have no problem if people want to contact me. And let me just look here. I believe my information is right on the board. Excellent. I know there's a contact us and all the good things that you see on the website. You also, how active are you with Facebook? Do you um, encourage that or is it better through the website or whatever works for people works for you? No, we, we do have a Facebook page. If you want to look us up, it's uh, Minnesota State Academy for the Blind Foundation on Facebook. Um, it's something that we're definitely trying to be more active in regards to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, social media is, is a, another one of those areas which hasn't always been friendly to people who are blind and visually impaired. So we are looking at that as another medium to really get our word out and, and seeing who we can reach and, and what other individuals we can kind of touch with the story of the academy and the students of the academy. You are wonderful. One of the reasons I had asked earlier about the uh, American Foundation for the Blind, because I know um, kind of the, the focus is different, but the ability and the, and the you know, the, the passion to help are similar. Um, and they had an incredible amount of, of technology uh, that would help with safety, with living, with lifestyle. I read something to the effect that um, they think that uh, blindness will be, a, you know, a moot point or it will be conquered within the next 10 years. I don't know if that's a lofty goal or uh, anything, but um, with, with the technologies that are available, um, do you guys help? people access those technologies? We, in the past, have bought some of the technology. Uh, we bought one classroom a whiteboard years ago. Uh, we mm -hmm. bought um, uh, the note takers. Uh, okay. We've done uh, some of the, lots of the little things. We've done uh, well. They're little to uh, you, but they might not be so little to some people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we provided um, uh, art curriculum, uh, music experiences, uh, big things. So with music experience, what does that look like at your foundation? Well, it's funding it for the school. Um, uh, we, the instruments we bought, for instance. They also okay. had a unit where they built their own, uh, was it guitar? Uh, and uh, things like that, those kinds of things. Just opening up all, all kinds of possibilities for people is, is what you do. And yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, one, you, we, we did the drums, we've done the recording studio for the students. Um, I know uh, over the summer for the summer school program at the Academy for the Blind, we did a dance residency um, where they had some uh, professional dance teachers come in and kind of teach the students some different dancing and some different motions and stuff like that. Um, uh, with the uh, recording studio, one of the things that I, I thought was a great thing that they did is that they actually recorded... Uh, a tape or a, a, a sounding of themselves, and they sent it up to the uh, Minnesota Twins organization to audition for singing the national anthem for the game. Wow, um, that is. And I know they. Good. Will, will, will they know, or do they know yet? Well, they had been in the running for it, but it doesn't sound like they actually got a date for it. They wanted to try and kind of shoot for the school year to make it easy with logistics. Right. That's one of the things that they're able to do with that recording studio that we were able to fund with them. Um, another thing that's coming up this next summer, or I believe it's summer or spring, is that they're going to be going up to Valley Fair uh, to do some performances. Nice. So, and is it a is it a, a constantly changing group, or do they stick and stay pretty well, depending on their interests? The Especially music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, I know you are you. You were a student, and now you're the president. So that that lends to me that it's a stick and stay kind of thing. But I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The one thing that I found when I became a student at the Academy for the Blind is it wasn't just a school; it was a family. And being right. part of that family really touches you, and it makes you want to continue to be part of that for as long as you can. And and I think that you know people who have been a part of that and have, have enjoyed that opportunity, want to stick it out and, and want to continue to support the family as much as they can. Right. They just appreciate it. And um, again, I just can't emphasize enough that, you know, blind and visually impaired, yes, it is a very real thing for some people, but these are just people and people with amazing skills and talents and passions and this foundation, the Minnesota State Academy for the Blind, what they do is just make your life even more full or as as robust as you can stand to have it. Um, and so um, sometimes the students, uh, according to your testimonials and whatever, I mean, they're all over just people stuff. They're in college. They um, built playgrounds, like you mentioned earlier. They're part of the music program, just on and on and on. And so your foundation or this foundation helps them, uh, helps raise money to make those things happen. I think people would be surprised as to where um, people who are blind and visually impaired really are. Um, 
you know, just people who have, have graduated from our school, um, you know, we had one person who, who owned his own resort in Minnesota at one point. Um, you know, we have people who are, are ministers, who do missionary work, um, musicians. Um, they're all over the place. I know and when you said all over the place, that reminded me of something else Patty and I were talking about. We were talking about travel. Um, I, I one of my, the... uh, well, she graduated from the academy uh, her senior year. Uh, our, our student from Japan uh, went and developed a nonprofit for doing libraries in mountainous Thailand and uh, always reading caravan.org. Uh, is a interesting uh, one of our interesting graduates. And um, I do not re- recall the uh, one of the women when I was on um, the Wellness Channel, that's a local channel in Minnesota. But uh, she was also just an avid traveler. She went everywhere. Oh, that was it. Destiny? No, Lisa. Oh, Lisa. Think Lisa. Oh, okay. Yes. She was um, that afraid, and some places were friendlier than others, and some places were um, more helpful than others. But for her, she said it just really came down to an issue of uh, passion, number one, and then trust. You Sometimes you just have to trust that other people are there and they're going to be doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, she really hadn't had any horrible experiences, and she's been all over the globe, too, so... Um, again, they're they're people, and I think um, it's people uh, like the the average listener just embraces that. Then um, I think it'll make just life easier for everyone. I hope so. Um, is there a special thing that people need to do aside from sign up for White Cane Day? Are there? I know you need volunteers. But are there, uh, if you do in, indeed volunteer, what types of things uh, can you expect to be helping with on White Cane Day especially, but even at, at the foundation? Uh, Ezra? Well, White Cane Day, like I said before, they're looking for people to kind of help control traffic, to kind of line the route, to kind of, you know, cheer them on, to kind of, you know, really be a supporters there and, and just really kind of help raise awareness um, you know, as part of the foundation, uh, really what you can expect if you become a part of the foundation is a group of individuals, and, and we want people who are interested in the blind and visually impaired who want to make life better. We ask our, our board members to do a lot. We really do. Uh, and all of our board members are volunteer board members. We don't have uh, any paid board members or anything like that. Um, so they're the ones who really drive the foundation itself. Uh, as far as getting out there to get donations, as far as getting the word about out about who the uh, sorry about who the foundation is, uh, and really the projects that we do. Um, right. And what's so, I mean, the term be, for a, sure? What's the term for an average uh, board member? Uh, term is a three-year term, and we allow two consecutive terms. Okay. And, and um, you, do you meet you monthly? Have to take a year off. Before you can go again. You guys should talk to Congress because I think they need (laughs) some limits on that too. And you come back and you're refreshed. You may have, uh, you know, more experiences under your belt. But I I think 
um, it keeps things fresh when you limit the terms and, and that type of thing. So good for you. Um, how often does the board meet? We meet monthly. I'm uh, sorry, not monthly, but bi-monthly on the um, third Monday of every month. And then we do also have a board meeting that we meet every year in May down at the Academy itself, which I think mm -hmm. is really a great opportunity for our board members to really see the impact that they're having for the students. Um, a, a lot of the board members right now are located uh, kind of in the central area of the state, so right around the Twin Cities. So mm -hmm. giving them that opportunity to really get down and, and dig into the academy and see what they're doing for the, the academy, I, I think reinvigorates them themselves. And then it also gives the staff and the students a chance to come and, and you know, say thank you or, or show off what they've been doing. You actually or just put a, a piece new in place for me. To work on. New ideas. Go ahead, Patty. I'm sorry. Or, or, or to suggest new, new things, new avenues they want to explore. Excellent. With our funding, you a you actually just put a piece together for me because I, you know, with the variety of things that you offer um, and the variety of things that people are interested in, I couldn't figure out, you know, was there really, you know, was this all over the state? Was it a central location? So um, generically, uh, the the there's a hub, and people go there for uh, the the basic training, correct? The board meetings itself is uh, located at the Vision Loss Resource Center, which is in uh, Blooming Prairie. No, not Blooming Prairie. I'm sorry. Um, it's located in the cities. I can't remember the city offhand. But for but for the uh, outstate people or the people who don't live in the cities, uh, such as myself, we do also have a conference line. So anybody who wants to participate or be a part of the board is welcome to do so. Uh, anybody's welcome to call or you know sit in on the meetings that they'd like to. Um, but, I mean, if, if not, then we limit the availability to people who are in the cities. It's open to everyone, anyone who has that interest and that drive to really show students what they're capable of doing. Nice. Well, I'm thinking that all the students that uh, approach you, they have the passion already. Is there anything extra that needs to be done or that you already do to help those who... Um, may be resistant or, you know, they maybe didn't have uh, uh, the exposure and, and even know the possibilities, how do you engage uh, new people or do they all have to kind of come to you? You know, I, I think it, it's hard sometimes for, um, you know, blind and visually impaired people to really see what others are doing. You know, we have our alumni association, we have our foundation, we have, you know, alumni all over the state, all over the country, all over the world, but it's hard for the students at the school to really see what they're capable of. And, you know, maybe that's a, a failing of, of the alumni or maybe that's, a you know, something that we can do more of. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say failing because just the fact that you exist and have existed uh, for over a decade, I, I think that's very commendable, but um, because I know that, um, like you, like you mentioned, it, it's sometimes hard to connect. But the fact that you're there gives them that possibility. Uh, that's my mindset. And, so commendable, right? Absolutely. And and for for people who are blind or visually impaired, seeing what others are being able to do, seeing the success of other people, seeing how others are able to be productive and independent members of society. 
that's important for, for, you know, not only people who are blind or visually impaired, but anybody. Absolutely. So, you know, really what we can do to help that drive is just kind of giving them that, that, that you know, that, that outlook, saying, hey, this is what we've been able to do. This is, you know, with the education that we got at the academy, with the resources we had at the academy, this is what we've been able to do. What are your dreams? What are your, you know, what type of, of limitations can you think for yourself? What can we do to help fund those? Is there uh, anything that is looming that you think, that's eh, kind of a challenge, but we're, we're, we're going to get it done? Uh, anything looming that's a big, big challenge? Well, the big well, the, thing I know we have yeah. coming up right now, and I mean, I don't see it as a, a you know huge challenge, but you know, again, anything that we can do to help fund it is always appreciated, as, as Patty mentioned before, is the uh, family and uh, commuters, uh, I'm sorry, Family and consumer science, hey, that's kind of fast. Um, it's what most people kind of consider like a home ec room. So this is the room that we're, where blind and visually impaired students are going to learn how to, you know, do their everyday cooking, do laundry, do sewing, do just some of those minor household tasks that a lot of people just take for granted that when you're blind and visually impaired, there's just that extra speed bump into actually right. being able to do it. So right. we're going to be looking into funding that. Like Patty said, we just started the design phase of that, um, and we're working with the administration at the school and stuff like that to kind of get that designed. And then once we get that designed, that's going to be something that we're going to be funding and, and updating. It's something that hasn't been updated for almost 20 years. Probably do, yes. <laughs> Although some things um, they lost, uh, you know, just generically in education, and so it's going to be refreshing for anybody to learn some of these skills. Um, I do know in the libraries even, the at least in the metro area, Hennepin County specifically, they have uh, some technology, not, you know, some technology that helps, and uh, it's probably a very common uh, form of of help for the visually impaired students, but I was really surprised at the amount of, you know, readers and 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 things that they could access. And you don't actually have to even go to the library. You just have to have a library card, and then um, there's whatever sign-on that you do uh, regularly um, at the library, and you just have a little extra passcode so you can access, um, you know, all the things that they have. And I, I thought that was helpful um but um you know anything anything that can be done is a good thing and again you've been there and you're going to be there it sounds like so um it's a very exciting group we're talking to the minnesota state academy uh, for the blind foundation and you can reach them at msabfoundation.org definitely if you if you have the opportunity to volunteer and meet people up close and personal, I would encourage that. Also, there's opportunity to donate. If you're not able to donate your time, your money, you can donate your time and talents, and um, Patty and Ezra might be the people that you talk to. I'm not sure if there's a volunteer coordinator, but um, they're, they're very open, and they, I'm sure, will help get you connected to the right person so that... Um, you can help this help further their cause and help people lead a full and productive life, whether they're 
fully blind or visually impaired. And, uh, you know, I just thank you guys for being here. Um, any any last thoughts, anything that's coming up that um, you want people to engage in or that they need help with, like if they volunteer, like something that you're wanting people to help with right away? Well, again, we have the White Chain Day coming up. Um, being this year is going to be a bonding year with the, the state legislature as well. Um, you know, especially for those who who have the the um, you know the drive to help people who are visually impaired and, and really want to see those students succeed. Um, I, I know one thing that they've been looking at for the past several years is trying to get a round track in their uh, their field, uh, a track for the students like to compete on with other schools. Yep, like a running track. Okay. So with with the uh, Academy for the Blind, we do compete against other schools across the nation in different events, uh, track and field, wrestling, swimming. Um, and one of the, you know, one thing that we, they've been looking at for the past several years is trying to get a, a, a standard 400-meter running track like you would see at just about any high school. So, okay. you know, if, if that's something that, like I said, I know that's something that they've been trying to get back to the, the legislature here. So if anybody has any ties with the legislature or anything like that and wants to kind of, um, you know, push any of those type of things or see if they can um, talk to the legislatures about supporting that, that would be awesome. I know that's something that the foundation has also agreed to help found, fund as well as the legislature will come through. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. You guys are just busy, <laughs> and that's I, I can't even commend you enough. Busy is good. Um, Patty, with yes. your woman who started her uh, foundation for wasn't for travel, but um, uh, the I said no names. I my apologies. Um, how is she doing uh, these days? Is she is she able to give back to the foundation, or she was able to just kind of uh, get a well, jump start on? Um, Yoshini has uh, graduated from the Academy for the Blind. Uh, she's never been a, a part of the foundation as such. Uh, but um, she's one of our... Uh, Prize graduates. One of our products. Excellent, and, excellent. Uh, well, I, I thank you both. I'm going to um, just give a little information for people who want to um, donate one more time and just go to the msabfoundation.org donate if if again not time money uh, you can always they can always find a way to do something with it this is Mary Reed from Hair Head and Heart and I just want to thank you for being here as you know I really trust and love the Farmer's Almanac. They've been around since um, the 1700s in the, in the first um, presidential term of George Washington. And they cover everything you could imagine, uh, technology, growth patterns, uh, home and garden information, weather, just on and on. But one of the things that I discovered and actually utilized many years ago, started using years ago, they have a best day calendar. And in the best day calendar, one of the things that they talk about is the best days, you know, each month, if they exist, to increase your hair growth. 
And so in September, we have a couple of days still coming up, and I'll even go into the first couple of days in October, and then there's a huge gap. So I'm still available or still uh, encouraged by the Farmer's Almanac as best days to cut your hair to increase your growth. And it's really kind of sparse in the in the fall, but we've got September 27th, September 28th, and 29th. And skip a couple of days, October 2nd and October 3rd. Those are the next upcoming days, best days to cut your hair. It's not that you can't do it other days, but according to Farmer's Almanac, which has a pretty rich history, um, those are some good days so uh, you won't experience a lot of the damage and, and fall that we usually have in the fall. I wanted to thank our guests who are here today, and I'll give them a chance to sign off. These are uh, a couple of representatives from the Minnesota State Academy for the Blind Foundation, Patty Huey and Ezra. You know, can, can you give your last name, and uh, we'll uh, sign off with you, but I'll let you say your fare thee wells, and I appreciate you for being here. Go ahead, Ezra. All right. Thank you. My, my name is Ezra Kazee. And, you know, again, I want to thank everybody for just giving us the opportunity to come on and, and be raising awareness about about an organization that's great, that's helped my my alumni and my student family at the Academy for the Blind and helped raise awareness for the, the white canes and everything that we do. Um, and, again, the way I always want to leave people with the message is, um, you know, blind people are only limited by their own imagination. and. They need the resources to find those limitations. So thank you for anybody who's willing to donate and help us get the resources so they can uh, find their own limitations. And Patty. Thank you, Mary, for letting us have an opportunity to share with you. And I went from teaching 31 years at the school to uh, keeping myself involved by being on the foundation. Uh, And thank you. Thank you. I think they're very lucky to have you. I appreciate what you do. I can only imagine how, I mean, my my grandmother's life was pretty full. But, you know, with groups like this, I mean, there would truly have not been a limit. And I just appreciate you. I wish you continued success. Thank you. This is Mary Reed signing off here, Head and Heart. Thank you for joining the discussion on Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, Mary Reed Johnson. Mary steps from behind the chair to discuss universal topics and share passions and insights to help all ages and communities know better, do better, and be better. Join us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Check out Hair, Head and Heart homepage on BBS Radio or visit 3hwellness.org to grow with us.